1: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. I apologize for yesterday's cancellation. We had a, a flood in the basement uh, here at my house. It was uh, not fun, so we had to reschedule. Uh, but we're back here today. Our co-host, TJ Inman, will join us shortly, and we'll be joined by Matt Weaver from pegs.com. A lot of news to talk about, uh, recruiting news, uh, some coaching news, uh, and just a lot of I U uh IU football news here in the last uh you know 36 48 hours or so. So right now I'd like to uh bring in TJ Inman. TJ, how are you? Maybe this is Matt. Matt, is this you? Yeah, this is Matt. Hey Matt, um big recruiting week uh This last week, I think IU's landed uh, four commits uh, in the last week or so. How is this class uh, coming together? Um, Well, I
2: mean, it seems to be coming together pretty good. I mean, you know, obviously going into the dead period, it was very uh, heavy on defensive players. They only had, uh, what, five offensive guys, two tight ends, and um, uh, three offensive linemen. Um, They've since picked up uh, a running back, a couple receivers. Um, Excuse me and a quarterback that they got uh, just this week in Nick Tronti, so it's it's you know they're now they're getting to the point where you can kind of be picky. Um, you know they got a couple guys coming this weekend they'd love to land and Bobby Roundtree, a defensive end, and uh, Devin Barrett, um, uh, four-star running back, both from Florida. Um, and obviously those guys are difference make type players. They would be uh, be huge gets for Indiana. So you're kind of at the point where the class is pretty much done. Um, you're just kind of, you know, like I said, there's just a few spots left, and you can kind of, kind of be, well, hopefully pick and choose
1: who you want, but you know, it may get to the point where you're kind of, you know, left with who you get. Right, and, and now TJ is joining us. So uh, TJ, welcome to the show, um, and sorry about canceling yesterday. Oh, no problem.
3: Yeah, yeah. I apologize for uh, jumping on a tad bit late, um, Matt. As always, thanks for joining us. It's uh, great to have you on. Oh, uh, no problem. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Matt, this class seems to, you know, Saturday Tradition, another website came out with, you know, the best recruiting classes of each Big Ten team uh, in the last five years. I believe they went with the 2012 class instead of the 2013 class for IU, uh, which I I agree with. But can this class be uh, the best class uh, that IU has had uh, in the last, you know, six or seven years?
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's 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 kind of hard to predict that just because you have to see what they do on the field. I do think at certain positions this class is as good as they've ever gotten. I, the defensive line group they put together is really, really good. Um, I, I, <clears throat> I really like the linebackers they brought in. They brought in no linebackers last year, and they've got three right now, and Thomas Allen, Coach Allen's son, uh, uh, Mo Burnham. And Mike McGinnis, and there's a chance they could add one more. Um, so I think from that standpoint, I like they only got two receivers, but I, thought, I think they've got two good ones. I think Walt Fillior is a guy that could play right away um, as a maybe as a returner, but I think he can get on the field in the slot. He's a dynamic a dynamic playmaker, kind of like a Shane Wynn, but he's bigger and, and a little bit stronger. So I like what they've done. you know I mean two on paper, the 2013 class I think was probably by far the best class Indiana's had, and it turned out quite honestly to be kind of a bust. Um, a lot of those guys didn't pan out. Um, the 2012 class, if I'm not mistaken, was that the one with Feeney and Spriggs and, and Sudfeld and those guys? Um, and that class was really good. But on paper, I don't think it stacked up as far as the rankings with the 13 class.
1: Yeah, they also had Tevin Coleman in that class. Matt, you, you mentioned Wap Fillier as a, as a guy who could be an instant impact guy. Are there anywhere anybody else who could uh, come in and play as true freshman in this class?
2: Well, I think you got to look
1: at where where Indiana's needs are and for me, <clears throat> even though they didn't lose a
2: lot on the D line, the D, the defensive group at Indiana while they 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 were a pleasant surprise this past season, overall it's not an incredibly talented group. You don't really have any true what I would call difference makers and you know, the probably the best player of the group, uh, Ralph Green is is obviously graduated and moving on. So you, you look at a guy like Juan Harris, you know, and obviously Juan was an interesting recruit to follow because he decommitted and committed so many yeah. times and um, he was, you know, on Twitter, he was he was kind of uh, an interesting guy to, to, to uh, you know, keep track of, but he's very talented. I mean, he is an, a large human being. He's got to get in better shape, but he's on campus. He'll go through spring brawl. He'll get to participate in strength and conditioning. So if he gets in shape, he's a guy that I think could get in the mix. And then you look at the edge guys. Indiana really needs some athleticism, in my opinion, speed and athleticism on the edge. Guys who can get to the quarterback without having to blitz. And you got Lance Bryant. You got Tramar Reese. Um, if you get Bobby Roundtree, that's another guy. So those are some guys I could see uh, playing. Um, I think Jawan Burgess is a safety. Both their safeties are back, but he is a really, really talented guy. Uh, with Damian Hunt at corner, and he has a little thin at corner after A'shaun Riggins and Rashard Fant. Um, so he's a guy that could definitely get on the field this year. And then at running back, um, and he had – we don't know if he's – we'll find out on Sunday, but I feel pretty confident they're going to get a Morgan Ellison. I think he's a guy that could play because after Camion, they don't really have a, a power back who, who's kind of dynamic. I mean, A-Rod is A-Rod. He can give you some power, but he's not really a dynamic athlete. Morgan Ellison's a pretty good athlete, kind of Jordan Howard-esque in the way he plays. So I think he's a guy that can get on the field. And if you, obviously if you get Devin Barrett, he's playing. I mean, he's a stud. He's a Tevin Coleman type. So those are the kind of the guys off the top of my head. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Tyler Knight – Maybe getting a mix at guard. I know he's a freshman, but he's on campus now. Obviously, you know, have a new O line coach. You have to f- see who he likes. But those are some of the names, kind of off the top of my head, that I think have a shot to play right away.
3: How about one a, the guys a
1: quarterback? That, Go yeah,
3: ahead, One TJ. of the guys I wanted to ask you about was was uh, Nick Tronti at quarterback. I I understand mm-hmm. that you know the the star system and and the the prospect rankings are, you know. Certainly you don't take it as gospel, but uh, it you know it's a general indicator the best the best recruiting classes consistently, the best recruited guys and you know, the highest recruited guys consistently uh, typically end up being the teams that have the best you know seasons. But uh, Nick Trony is, is a player that when I look at him and when I read about him and, and I, I see the stats and the production he put up and how he could fit in this system, uh, it seems to me like he's a whole heck of a lot better than a typical two-star recruit. I I happen to be very excited about his future uh, at Indiana. Am I just crazy and and kind of falling for the intangible side of things, or might I have you know kind of a a, a realistic view of of his ranking, um, maybe not being quite the player that he could be?
2: Yeah, I think. I mean. You know, with rankings, I I'm, you know I, I obviously worked for Rivals and I worked for Scout, and you know was really never involved in rankings. Would get asked my opinion, but I'm not sure. To me, beauty's is in, in the eye of the beholder. Some guys see different things. Um, I, to me, he's a solid three-star player. Um, I you win Mr. Football in Florida, um, that's like winning Mr. Basketball in Indiana. It's a big-time football state. He put up video game type numbers. Took his team to state title with his recruiting. He got some big offers late. But, you know, like I was just, before I came on here, I was just looking. Of the top 23 quarterbacks, um, according to Scout, in the 2018 class, 16 of them are already committed. For 2018, we're not even to signing day for 2017. That's how early quarterbacks commit. I went to some other positions. There's, at running back, there's not even five guys in the top 30 who have committed. I mean, it's yeah. just, that's just the nature of the beast. And, by the time he blew up his senior year and had that monster season, everybody's done with quarterbacks because they usually take one. You may have a few schools that take two, but for the most part they take one guy. Um, so that's kind of why in my opinion his recruiting was basically mid major because all the big schools had filled up and he's not prototypical size. He's six two probably at best. Um but he's got if you see the pictures that he posted when he committed, he, this is a jacked up kid. I mean he's not yeah. this is not Xander Diamond. I mean he's a legit two oh five Um, muscular guy can throw the ball doesn't have a monster arm I've kind of compared him to I think his arm is comparable to Cam Kaufman who I thought had a good enough arm to win he I mean Cam Kaufman had a good season when he was here and he runs kind of like Xander but he's got more more strength and more size I I'm with you TJ I'm excited about Nick Tronti. now will he play as a freshman we'll see I think he'll be given a chance to I think I think quarterback will be I mean, it'll be open as in there'll be competition. I think Richard Lego, right now you can pencil him as a starter, but I, I say that in pencil because I don't think it's set in stone. But I think Tronti has a bright future, and I think Indiana is going to – people down the road are going to say that they got to steal here.
1: Um, I, I was going to ask, you know, does he have a legitimate shot even, you know, not being in spring to kind of maybe get that backup role and, and play like Xander did uh, this past year?
2: I think there's a shot. I mean, you have to remember, they're going to have a new offense. Now, scheme-wise, it's probably going to be fairly similar to what they were running. There's probably going to be a little bit different. But the biggest thing is, you know, what, what what might have been called a certain play in Kevin Wilson's offense, the same play could be called something different in Mike DeBoer's offense. So, even though the play is the same, they're going to have to learn a whole new playbook with new terminology and stuff like that. So, he's going to be, obviously, he's, those 15 practices that he will not get in spring, are, he's going to be behind. But, everything I've talked to his quarterback coach everything you I mean this is a this is a football, you know, gym rap type of guy. I mean, he loves the game. He's he works hard at it. I um, mean, obviously you can tell he works hard in the weight room. I mean, this is a guy that's going to put in the time and effort. So, um he's going to have some catching up to do, but I think his skill set because he can because he's a dual threat guy who can run and throw, it gives him a chance to at least, you know, get his foot in the door as far as maybe being in the top, you know, two um, you know, top two guys going into the season. You know, now Peyton Ramsey's similar kind of guy. I think Austin King's the guy that's really going to have to, you know, have a great spring and fall because he doesn't give you the running threat, but he can really throw the ball. But I like Nick Tronti's chances, and he was recruited by this staff. Let's not forget that these guys on the roster, they're here. Yeah. But coaches a lot of times go with the guys that they really, really went after. And this was Sean Watson's guy and Mike DeBoer's guy. Does that mean it'll be his guy in the fall? We'll see. But he's going to get a chance to compete. I guarantee that. Yeah, I was
1: going through uh, Mr. Football uh, Award winners in Florida. Um, tronty is not the first to go to Indiana. So everybody who was shocked, uh, Frankie Franklin uh, won the award in 1995. He played a couple years at Indiana in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. um, he went to Sandalwood. Um, so he, he uh, Nick tronty is not the first one. But other winners uh, include guys like Anquan Bolden, Uh, Leon Washington, who who played at Florida State and and was an outstanding kick returner for the Jets. Uh, Tim Tebow, of course. Robert Marv, who went to Purdue. Um, His career was kind of uh, derailed by injury, Uh, but he he was a a very hard-nosed, gritty player. Um, Derrick Henry, Duke Johnson, Dalvin Cook. Uh, And just to have his name uh, in there with those guys – it says something, you know, you can't as Matt you said, you can't put all your your eggs in the, the rankings basket. Uh from my understanding, uh de Vidra was notoriously bad at football uh until last year when I think they made a run um to the semifinals or, or something. Uh, a deep playoff run. Um yeah, well a deep playoff run uh, for for a school, so maybe he got overlooked uh, and things like that. So he's a guy I'm excited about. I, I wish he was in in for spring practice so we could get to see him. Uh, but Matt, this recruiting class, um, you know, we now have Greg Fry going to Michigan at an absurd uh, three years, 100 and, or what is it, 1.7 million. You told me. Um, what's Michigan. going to be the impact of that on this? Uh, on this recruiting class?
2: Um, well, I mean, I don't think it's going to impact the current class because we're almost a signing day. I mean, you know, the only guys you would think would really be nervous or maybe kind of wavering would be the O-line recruits. And you've got, uh, technically two of them are on campus. I mean, Ryan Smith was last year, but he gray in the fall and he's on campus now. And then Tyler Knight is on campus. But you still got Harry Kreider, um, the center from uh, Columbus, and then uh, Caleb Jones, the O tackle from Indianapolis. Um, I, you know, if I don't think either guy, I think both guys will stick. If there was one that I would probably would think would be might have you might be worried about would be Caleb Jones because he was really close to Kevin Wilson and to Greg Fry, um, and he, you know, I could see where it'd be he committed more to them than to Indiana. Whereas I think Kreider committed to Indiana. I don't think he goes anywhere, and I don't think really I don't think either one of them will. But that's just if I had to pick one, I would say Caleb would be the guy be more worried about. And I haven't heard anything to make me think that, as far as I know, he's not visiting anywhere this weekend. So if he doesn't go anywhere this weekend, I think he's it's pretty safe to say he's going to he's going to sign with Indiana on Wednesday. Um, Now Fry was obviously really involved in Florida recruiting, especially in the Tampa, Clearwater, you know, the Largo guys. He was involved with, Um, and to to that point, it is a it is a blow, but those guys are all defensive guys, um, you know, for the most part. You know, obviously you have a couple offensive guys from plant, but that was more Tom Allen and, and, and uh, Grant Hurd recruiting those guys. So I don't think as far as this class – now going forward, you're going to want to try to find uh, a coach to fill his shoes that either has great recruiting ties, you know, hopefully in that area or in another hotbed for football, whether it be Texas or another part of Florida. Um, you know, you want to you want to have somebody who who can, you know, either has ties or – you know, you feel like has the kind of personality that can quickly develop those connections. But, you know, it is it – it's it's a tough loss, but you can't really blame Coach Frye for some of the things here. I mean, if he's, you know, they're paying three coaches a million dollars. I don't think he's getting that, but he's obviously probably going to get well paid and, and it's going to be a multi-year deal. And, you know, at Michigan, you're you're obviously closer to the national title than you are at Indiana, so I can understand the move. Um, but my, my experience is no coach is irreplaceable. As good as he is, um, and he was really good, um, you know, there's guys out there that I think can come in and do a great job, and, and I'm sure Tom Allen already has a short list of names uh, that he's looking
1: at. Now, yeah. one of the, before we get into some names who could replace him, one of uh, the hot topics that came up when it was learned that Fry was leaving was paying assistant coaches. Now, to my understanding, I don't have the figures in front of me, but it seems Indiana has moved back into the um, competitive pay group and they're kinda of hamstrung a little bit because of of budgets, uh, you know, and, and fans complain that IU needs to step up. Well, you know, I, I'm gonna put the challenge back on the fans. Uh in, in an interview with Pete the Premio uh earlier this week, uh maybe even last week, uh Fred Glass came out and said that, you know, attendance for football is an issue and they're basically missing out on ten million dollars a year if they have you know, the announced attendance is, is what it is. It's, you know, made up for all intents and purposes, but if you could get a real 40 um, 45 to 50,000 people in that IU is missing out on $10 million and that that's money that they can uh, put into the assistance pool. Um, It can put into a head coaching pool, can use it for other uh, programs as well. And, And then, of course, keeping up with the arms race that is the um, football facilities and athletic facilities and all that. So, Matt, is IU competitive uh, in their paying of assistant coaches?
2: They're competitive with the schools that, in my opinion right now, they're on par with, which would be in Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue, um, you know, uh, Rutgers, uh, Maryland, those schools that they're kind of in the same boat with. Uh, they're, are they competitive with Michigan and, and, and Ohio state and Penn state? Probably not. I mean, they're not, I mean, Michigan's got three guys. Of course, right now, nobody's competitive with Michigan. I mean, that's almost no. become like a pro, a pro team the way they're paying their coaches. So, I mean, it's, it, they, they, they've made strides. They still got to keep you. I mean, every year you got, it's just, it just keeps going up and up. So you got to keep up with it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the biggest, I mean, $10 million a year is a lot of money. That's, you know, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't all go to football, but I, would, I guess a sizable chunk of it would. Um, and that's stuff that could be used for coaches' salaries and and um, and things like that. The one thing, um, you know, that Indiana does need to do, I'm not sure what, with, with how they've done it with Coach Allen come in, they need to give assistant coaches' multi-year deals. Because uh, in the past, it's always been year to year. Assistant coaches basically work year to year, and their co- their contracts would either, either be renewed or not. And typically they were renewed unless there was a coaching change or something like that. But, you know, a lot of teams are, and programs are giving their assistants two- and three-year deals. And then my my point thing is, is, if your head coach has got a five- or six-year deal, and I think that's probably about what Tom Allen's going to have. We haven't seen the figures yet. But why not let him have his assistants for two or three years? I mean, it only makes sense. Um, that they have, you know, there's some security. And until, and I'm not saying Indiana's not doing that, um, but if they're not, that will be used against them, and it's going to be harder and harder to keep quality coaches because if you're a coach, you can go somewhere, they're going to give you a two- or three-year deal, and if you would get fired, you're still getting paid, as opposed to Indiana, if you get fired, you're not going to get paid past that year. It's a no-brainer. You're You're not going to stay. So that would be one of the things I would say. But I think overall they're competitive with the schools that they're currently kind of competing with.
1: Right, um, Matt. Who are some of uh, the coaches? I know we've talked uh, privately about it, and, and one of the names that I've seen thrown around on Twitter by, you know, various accounts is is Justin Fry from BC. He's an Indiana. He's an Indiana kid. He played at IU. Um, you know, he he's posted stuff when he's at BC with uh, the patch of Hep that they wore on their jerseys after he passed away and how big of an impact he had on his career. What are some of the other guys, especially this late, um, this late in the game that IU could get to fill in for coach, uh, coach Greg Fry?
2: Well, I mean, you know, to me, I, I mean, I went out and just did a little bit of research. I have no idea if the guys and Justin Fry was the first name that came up because of the connections and because he, he, he looked like a good coach. I mean, I've, not followed, you know, Temple and BC closely, but you know he went to Temple with Adazio. They did well there. Went to BC, and they've done pretty well there. At a school where it's not, it's not incredibly easy to win at with the uh, academics they have there, and obviously you're in a pretty good conference in the uh, the ACC. But um, he's he's the office coordinator, run game, or offensive of line coach, and run game coordinator there. Another guy I came up with, and TJ might remember him, Bart Miller. He was the O line coach. At Wisconsin, I think was last year, they ran for like 290 yards a game. They brought in Uh Gary Anderson when and went to Arkansas. Alvarez really, really encouraged and urged Anderson to keep Bart Miller, but he wanted to bring in his own guy. So Miller was kind of left out in the cold. He's from – he played at New Mexico in college. I think he went to New Mexico State after that, went to FAU, and then was up at Minnesota this past year. His first season there, and then obviously kind of got you know the short end of the stick with that whole deal with the sex scandal, and Tracy Clay's got fired. So basically, the staff got you know got dumped, and he's as far as I know has not been picked up by anybody. I think that would be a great hire too. I if you get one yeah. of those two guys, that would be a really good hire. And then Bob Bostat, who was at Wisconsin, went to the NFL for a little while. He's an O-line coach at Northern Illinois. I would think that Indiana could obviously offer him more money. Um, and that to me, that would be another good hire. He was he was the head coach when they had all those great running seasons at Wisconsin under Bielema. Miller took over actually for Bob Set that last year because I think Bob Set went to Tampa Bay to work for Schiano, if I'm not mistaken. So, those are three names I came up with. Um, I think now I'm sure you know Mike Deboard is an O line guy, played it, has coached that position. He's probably got guys in mind. Whether they're the same guys I have, I don't know. I'm sure Tom Allen has guys in mind, um, but. You know, if it was one of those three guys, I think Indiana fans should be happy because those are all three, to my opinion, really quality all line coaches.
3: Yep, yeah, that I mean that's a good list. I I I am a big fan of the the way that, and it's not just the numbers. The way that Wisconsin's offensive lines played uh, under Brett Bielema, um, I just the physicality that they played with. Uh, the type of guys that they recruited were, you know, not four and five star guys when they went to Wisconsin, uh, they developed guys. They, they usually red shirted uh, and then started playing when they were typically red shirt sophomores or red shirt juniors uh, started getting into the rotation. And, and, you know, the track record su- success that they had was, you know, speak for itself. And, and that's not, you know, that's not all the offensive line coach, but that's a big part of it. So, uh, getting someone that is familiar with uh, with that type of system, I, I think, would be a, a big boon for IU, and I, that's a really good, really good, uh, really good shout there from you, Matt. Um, going back to the class real quick, I, uh, two guys that I wanted to ask you about, um, and you touched on Jawan Burgess, but him and Bryant Fitzgerald uh, are, are two players that, that remind me a lot of Jonathan Crawford. Uh, as as potential you know uh, difference making safeties is that, uh, is that fair of me to make that comparison you know not not an exact comparison uh, but just in terms of their playmaking uh, playmaking ability uh, and they'll likely be used as safeties do you think that's accurate uh, and and I, I look at Juwan Burgess as a player that. Um, yeah, I mean, the circumstances were a little bit strange because he, not strange, but the ideal for Indiana uh, because of his familiarity with, with the Allen family uh, being from, from Plant High School. But um, flipping a commit from USC is a big deal no matter what the circumstances are. And to me, he looks like a type of dynamic guy that you could use uh, in multiple ways, not just as a safety, but also as a you know, special teams contributor as well. So if you could talk just about Jawan Burtis and Brian Fitzgerald and and the impact that they could have as, as playmakers uh, on Indiana's team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I and thanks. To you. I should have mentioned Brian Fitzgerald because I think he's another guy who's got a shot to play as a freshman. Now he he could be a safety. He could also be maybe that Husky position that uh, Marcelino Ball yeah. plays. Obviously, Marcelino yeah. is a true freshman and he's going to be the guy. But depending on and Zeke Walker was kind of the backup, and you know maybe Zeke plays some more more linebacker. But I think Brian Fitzgerald has a chance to get in the mix too because I watched him play live, and I've obviously watched his film. This kid hits like a ton of bricks. I mean, he is a heat-seeking yep. missile on defense. He can come downfield, and he can really. And they used him. I mean, Avon—he would play on his, as a slot corner. He would pay out, play middle or outside linebacker, and then he would play deep safety, like free safety. So he has got experience playing those positions. Jawan Burgess, his coach told me that he's pretty sure in the end is going to use him as a free safety. But I think he's a guy that. When you're going against maybe a spread team you know a team that's going to have four receivers, you could he's a guy that could probably go down the slot and cover and cover receivers um he's you know his coach said as a deep safety, he's a ball hot guy he I think Jonathan Crawford is a great comparison. that's who I've kind of compared him to um, and he's long and lanky, athletic um, you know and obviously playing receiver, he's got those ball skills. And then he mentioned he thinks that Jawan can come in right, come in and be a, a, an impact guy, a, a returner on special teams. So I think he's a guy that's really got a bright future, and I think he's a guy that can can really um, make an impact, you know, really, really early on. Um, now, Indiana does have some good depth of safety with t- Tony Fields and Chase Jutra, and obviously we mentioned Jonathan Crawford, and they got some other guys there. Khalil Bryant was a true freshman, but... You know, they're going to play the best guys, and Jawan Burgess, when he steps on the field, is probably going to be right up there with Jonathan Crawford as the most talented safety they've got on this team. So he's going to have a shot to play. And Same thing with Brian Fitzgerald. He's a talented guy, and he's, and he's, he's, he's good against – he can cover the pass, and he's good against the run, which makes him, you know to me, an ideal fit for that Husky or strong safety type of guy. So I think both guys – I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they're both guys that could come in and really
1: help immediately. Thanks, Matt. Any more questions, TJ?
3: Uh, I, Morgan Ellison, um, a, a player that you know you touched on, as a he's a guy that I think he tweeted out he was going to commit on Wednesday, um, and it's IU is kind of the perceived leader there. Uh, he has mentioned, you know, wanting to to play in the Big Ten and Indiana, obviously, an opportunity to do that. Uh, interesting player, mainly because he missed most of his sophomore and junior year with broken legs, um, and then his senior year for Pickerington, uh, very productive. And uh, I am I am not an expert, but when I watch the tape of his senior year highlights against very good competition in Ohio, he's in a very competitive. Uh, part of Ohio and the biggest class in Ohio. So those are not chumps that he's playing against. Uh, do not understand why there were not more teams after this guy. Uh, was it strictly the injuries that were a concern for people or had they just filled up uh, spots at running back and just felt like they didn't have a spot for another running back? Or uh, I, I, I think that if he ends up in Indiana, uh, IU is is really going to end up with, and this is even if they don't get Barrett, I mean, if they get Barrett plus Ellison uh, plus the running back that they got from, from Booker T. Washington, another situation that, you know, he comes on late as a senior that really is the first time he had a chance to produce and he did just that, put up big numbers for a, a Florida power. Uh, I think Indiana might have gone from running back being a, kind of a concern depth-wise, especially after this coming season, to, to restocking the backfield uh, in, in an incredible way this late in the class. Am I, am I a bit too optimistic about that? Because Ellison looks like a star
1: to me.
2: Yeah, I think with Ellison is he had, he, had really, he had literally no tape from his sophomore and junior year. I think his sophomore season he told me he played, he got hurt, I think his second game or after the second game. So basically he had like yeah. one game of tape. And then he missed that whole year, and then he transferred to Pickard Central, I think is the high school he, 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 he uh, is at. And because of the transfer rules, he had to sit out like five weeks. So when he, And then he, he broke his other leg the week after he – the fifth week and the week before he was going to be able to play. And he could have yeah. come back that season, his junior year, late in the year, but I, he told me that he just he, – you know, he wanted to rehab and just make sure he was 100% so there was nothing else, no more issues. And then obviously he had the monster season, and you're not kidding about the competition. They went to the state semifinals and lost to St. X by I think two points. And St. X from Z- from Cincinnati, St. Xavier, won the state title. And St. X in Cincinnati yeah. is a fantastic program. Um, he did this against I think it's 1,800 yards, if I'm not mistaken. He is, like I said, he's Jordan Howard-esque. I don't think he has quite the athleticism that Jordan Howard did. I mean, Jordan had great feet. For a big guy, his feet were amazing. And he was faster, I think, that people gave him credit for. This kid's a 4'5", 5", five, five, maybe four, 6 which is still fast enough at 225, 230 pounds. He's a load coming downhill. He's a power back. And it's something they really need because, like I said, after Cameon, there's not a power back. And, obviously, Camion's a senior. So, after this year, you needed to get right. that big back. Craig Nelson – I, when I worked at IU years ago, I had a coach tell me that Dade County had more Division One players than the states of Indiana and Illinois combined. If you took out Chicago, that's pretty remarkable. That's one county in Florida, and he was all Dade County after this season. That's like being all state, yeah. pretty much any state in this country, except for maybe Georgia and Texas and California. I mean, he is, he is, he's he's a smaller guy, but he's a speed guy. He played corner. Um, he, you know, he's a little short, but he could probably play corner in college. Um, you know, he's like five nine and a half, five ten. Um, but he's gonna give them a guy you can use in the slot. He'll be a running back, but you can kind of use him all over the field. Um, you know, I'll take I know people say two star I'll give me all the two star guys from Florida that that, um that Indiana can get if I'm if I'm the coaches. Because I'm telling you right now, two star guys in Florida are as good as high three star and even four star guys in the Midwest. Um I'll take that all day long because those guys there are so many players down there that it kinda gets watered down with the rankings. And a guy who's a two-star there, if he played in Indiana or he played in Illinois or he played in Michigan, would be have a different rating. It's just it's just the way it is, and they have tons of speed down there. So I'll take all the Florida guys I can get. I don't care what the rating is.
3: Yeah, and the big play explosion uh, is really something Indiana's often desperately missed uh, with with K-Meon not not being good to go at running back last year, and uh, I mean they just they didn't have that explosiveness. Out of the backfield, and I think uh, I think getting Cole Gas back healthy, getting Camion in there at running back, uh, and you know hopefully 100 percent, and then adding uh, adding Craig Nelson, adding uh, you know another big back that, that had a number of big plays, mainly because he just ran over people. Uh, I, I I'm just really excited about the work that they've been able to do late uh, with this backfield. And then if you add Barrett, obviously that's a, a whole different level of excitement there. But um, I don't think that that's a, a must-get position next season. So. Um, and
2: and you talk I'm, about explosive players. Um, I think you could also go to receiver when Simi went down, and then they lost Jayshon. They really Nick Westbrook had a good right. season. Um, but he's and he's a, he can you could throw the ball downfield to him, but he's not a guy that's going to take a ten yard slant probably and go seventy or eighty yards. Fowler can do that. Jay Sean, hopefully, if he's one hundred percent, he could do that. He can get you get him out in space. Those guys can make plays. Simi gives you some when he comes back some big plays. So it wasn't and I, the running game definitely did not have that dynamic uh, element that they've had the previous couple of years with Jordan Howard and obviously Tevin Coleman was so special. Um, these guys coming in. Um, uh, Craig Nelson, Cole Gess getting healthy. I, that was a great point there because I think Cole Gess has a chance to be a really good player. Um, Devin yeah. Barrett is Tevin Coleman-esque. I mean, he's kind of a pie in the sky right now, but you never know. I mean, it's they can convince him this weekend. I like their chances. Um, you know, get at least I like their chances when you get them on the last weekend before the visit. Now it's still going to be tough, but, you yeah. know, it's only got three visitors, him and Roundtree and, and um, uh, Tamar Reese, all from the same area. They've got a bunch of Tampa guys already committed. So, you know, maybe maybe that kind of peer pressure, I'm I, you know, they, those guys can can text with them and stuff, but he would be obviously a big time get, but I I think they've really upgraded their skill players, especially on offense with this class.
1: Matt, great stuff as uh as usual, uh we'll let you get back to your uh busy life and uh thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks guys. Have a good day. Yeah, Matt, thanks a lot. All right. All right, that was Matt Weaver uh, from Peaks.com. We're talking uh, Indiana football recruiting. Uh, Just one more topic, TJ, before we we wrap up the show. I want to talk about uh, the Senior Bowl and Dan Feeney. I've caught a few of the the Senior Bowl practices on NFL Network. I believe they're on in the afternoon um, all this week. Uh, Dan Feeney has been absolutely destroying people at the Senior Bowl. Uh, You know, we've retweeted the stuff that scouts and and analysts are saying on Twitter uh, that he's, you know, mean, nasty, and, I mean, he's a nice dude, uh, but his play is physical and mean and nasty and and things like that. So if you want to watch uh, one of the all-time IU greats one more time, the Senior Bowl is on Sunday, I believe. No, Sorry, Saturday. Uh, It's Saturday the 28th at at 2.30. It's on NFL Network. Um, If you want to see Dan Feeney uh, one more time, uh, I I suggest um, tuning into that. Uh, I'm excited about it. I've watched a a lot of the Senior Bowl stuff. It's fun when they talk about a guy like Dan Feeney uh, because it shows you where IU has gone in the last couple of years. And, and don't forget that Ralph Green played last week uh, in the East-West Shrine game, made a tackle, had some good highlights in practice as well. Um, so these IU seniors who are getting ready for the draft and, and all that stuff, they're getting good exposure at these, these postseason games, which you know that now you see players playing in them. And, and this game is, aside from – being scouted and, and all these practices really doesn't matter who wins. So um, no. uh, I'll get into a, uh, another meaningless bowl rant at, at some other time, but we'll have our draft uh, expert on in the next couple of weeks to talk about Dan Feeney, talk about Ralph Green and all the other IU uh, players, uh, including Devine Redding, who, uh, and Marcus Oliver, who are looking to make the jump to the next level. Um, TJ, any, any final thoughts?
3: But well, yeah, I think Ralph Green um, had a successful uh, trip to the Shrine Game. You know, it, it for for that for these All Star games, it's really about the practices uh, and being able to just be around uh, NFL personnel. That they can see how you interact with other people, uh, see how you you know perform on the field in a practice setting. And obviously, you know, if you have a big game, that's important as well. But it's really about those practices. And it seems like Ralph Green uh, improved his stock by by being there and, and by the work he did in the practices. And then Dan Feeney, it seems to be a pretty unanimous consensus right now uh, that he's the best guard in this class. And here's what's going to happen in the NFL draft. You're going to have the analysts up there, Typer and and McShay, and, uh, you know, Mike Mayock. um, whenever Dan Feeney gets picked, which is probably going to end up being somewhere in the middle of the first round, uh, whenever Dan Feeney gets picked, you're going to hear the analysts say, well, you know, you typically don't have this high of a, you know, this isn't a value pick for a guard uh, going this high in the draft, but, you know, we love this guy. That's what they're going to say, because they will have studied the tape. They will have talked to NFL personnel. And it seems almost unanimous that uh, people just love the way Dan Feeney plays, and they love, uh, I mean, he's a plug-and-play guy. You put him on an off- NFL offensive line as a rookie, and he's probably going to succeed and probably going to have a very nice, long career. So that's what you're going to hear is them talk about the value for an offensive guard, uh, not being great at this spot, but we love Dan Feeney, and it's a great pick, yada, yada, and they're going to rave about him. because, And it, it's you're right, it's it's really good. Uh, Fry, you, that, you know, Tevin Coleman in the Super Bowl, Jason Spray in the S C title game, uh, Jordan Howard in the Pro Bowl. Um, uh,
1: very well could be our first-round awesome pick, pick. Rookie of the year. Yeah. If, I yeah, mean, if, if Ezekiel yep. Elliott doesn't uh, have his rookie year as well, but I, I think Howard right. ran for more regular season yeah. yards. Uh, he also had Shane Wins on a roster in Jacksonville. Um, Darius Latham played well um, in, in Oakland. As an undrafted free agent, so you know all these guys who are from IU, and there's a a great Twitter account. I think it's Hoosiers in in the Pro Ball or or something like that. I don't know it off the top of my head, but he tweets out the active IU players. I I believe in every sport, uh, every pro sport uh, for it. But when it comes to football season. Uh, you always see, you know. Now, now you're seeing a handful of guys. You had Cody Latimer won right. a Super Bowl last year, um, and, and then the guys you rattled off too. So it's it's great to see. I'm looking forward to the NFL draft. As far as Feeney, as a Jets fan, I am dreading it uh, because right now they have them taking Deshaun Kaiser at six. Um, so I I don't know if my TV will make it to Dan Feeney's pick if. The Jets take uh, you gotta, Sean Kaiser at six.
3: Got to keep trying to find that franchise quarterback, Sammy. Got to keep trying,
1: apparently. Ugh. I miss the days of Kyle Brady. Um. <laughs> any, anyway, it's uh, that's, that's a little tangent uh, and maybe a glimpse into the life being a Jet fan, but it, it'd be cool to see Dan Feeney uh, taken by the Colts uh, just to stay locally and, and watch him week in and week out, but... I, I think going back to IU and recruiting TJ. I think this class has the potential to be a special class. It's Tom Allen's first, eh, not really first class. It's quasi. It's quasi. Uh, yeah, quasi. I, I I feel like the twenty eighteen class really is his first his own class. Uh, but he's he's put a stamp on his class, getting these guys out of plant uh, high school yeah. in Florida where his son went, uh, getting Tronty Um, that's his staff stamp on this class. And I I think a lot of these guys, and I was mentioning uh, I was talking with one of our followers on Twitter that these guys all seem to be under-recruited and and have a chip on their shoulder and and really want to come and and prove themselves and and prove other people wrong at IU. Um, and, And I think that will, you know, really fuel the those players the next couple years and really make this class a jumping off point even though the rankings have IU in the low 50s uh, we'll see where they land I mean if they land Roundtree uh, Ellison and uh, Devin Barrett that that class those are three difference makers uh, that could jump that class up uh, fairly high so it's a good start to the Tom, Tom Allen era. I think all these guys are going to play with the chip on their shoulder and, and really add competition to, to what was already there. And, you know, maybe some guys don't don't start on offense defense but can become impact players on special teams. And that's an area where IU needs an impact player. If, if one of these guys can become a dynamic kick returner um, or punt returner now that, you know, Mitchell Page has graduated and, or, you know, that guy who just goes down and blows people up like Greg Gooch did in the bowl game. um, It's going to be a a great class. Not everybody's going to start on offense, defense, and make an impact there. But if a freshman uh, can become a weapon on special teams, I think that will make next season much more successful for Indiana football
3: yeah the special teams has to improve, and it's it's an area that uh, tom allen has has publicly talked about it has to improve, and uh he's putting an emphasis on it, which is something that was not done under the previous administration um you know we uh, he's offered some preferred walk on spots to uh to some guys kicker punters uh brought in Hayden whitehead um a bit of a mystery man from Australia
1: we don't know um Exactly how the five play minute, out, but. There was a, a five-minute YouTube clip um, that uh, of him kicking. Now there was no rush or yeah. anything, and it's not pads, right? But he was bombing punts. It looked like fifty, sixty yards yeah. on on he's the fly. Sure. I, yeah, I believe he's a lefty too, and, and yeah. um, as an ex, as a guy who used to feel punts from a lefty punter in warmups, it, it's not it's no fun. Um, the ball comes, yeah, it's, weird. it's all, it's, it's, different. it's, it's all weird. It, the spin's weird. It, it comes at you at a weird angle. So um, hopefully they get that and, and it'll make it, it'll make the offensive defense that much better. You know, if you could get a kick return to the 50, I mean, I don't think IU got a kick return the last two years to the 50. I, it'd be hard to find one that went out to the 40 um, aside from like an onside kick attempt. Uh, but you know, when you're starting the offense, from the 25 on back, you just can't yeah. get it going. And, and I know I sound like I'm making excuses for this offense, that they should be able to go 75 yards. But this offense cannot go 75 yards each and every drive. Um, you know, starting at, starting at the 50 or the 40 will help them so much in terms of, of getting points on the board. Maybe they're not as, as tired or unfocused in, in the red zone as well. So hopefully some of these guys uh, can be those impact players on special teams that we've harped on for a couple of years now as being one of the things that is holding IU back uh, in terms of winning these close games. Yeah, just
3: the occasional shut-in-the-arm plays, really. Um, yeah, it doesn't. it's not going to be a, you know, every time occurrence. Nobody does that. but um, Just the no, occasional shut-in-the-arm uh, plays make all the difference in the world.
1: So. Yeah, you saw it against I, I Ohio the State third... last year. That's right. Yep. Ohio State, Nebraska, IU had big score. I think they tied the game against Ohio State with under a minute or around a minute left. They returned a, a kickoff inside IU's ten. Nebraska does yeah. the same thing and puts points on the board before halftime and, and changes the whole dynamic of the game. So it's I think about time that Indiana. Uh, takes a page from them and, and becomes good in special teams. Again, we've seen it before uh, with Lance Bennett, Marcus Sigpen, um, you know, Tevin Coleman uh, was a game changer on special teams as well. So it's about time to get back to to those roots and having a, a dynamic kick returner.
3: That would be tremendous. Yeah. And there are some guys in this class that, uh, you know, have the ability to do that. Um so we'll see. But it's, you know, it has to be the
1: whole unit uh, that performs well. So,
3: yeah, it's, I'm excited about the class as a whole. There's no doubt.
1: Yep. Well, signing day is next Wednesday, February 1st. Uh, we'll have all yep. your coverage. TJ, you've done almost all the profiles already, so you know these recruits uh, pretty well. Um, we'll have those out when they announce and, and sign and fax. It's the the one day a year people still use fax machines uh, when they fax uh, these letters of intent in. I I can't believe they can't scan them and email them. Um, but but uh, when they fax them in, uh, on 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 Wednesday morning. Well, maybe Xerox or somebody is you know sponsoring Signing Day now. Um, when they we'll, we'll put out these profiles. We'll have a a class breakdown. Uh, who we think will be the biggest impact guys a freshman, a sleeper, top recruit, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about this class. We're excited, you know, to see if any of these last three guys pull the trigger this week or they wait until Wednesday. So stick stick with us at HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, we'll have another podcast post-signing day, uh, hopefully with Matt to go over the the official class, and see who's um, who's officially uh, Hoosiers at the end of that day. Uh, but other than that, after this, it's we're, we're getting ready for spring ball. I, I, they don't have an official date yet. I believe it would probably be mid-March uh, when they start. Mm-hmm. I know under Wilson they like to start before spring break, have a break, and then get back after that. After that uh, we'll see what Tom Allen and his staff decide. Hopefully they, they come out and announce it soon so we uh, could get our previews out to to our fans uh, so they can know what we think um, and what's going on at each position. So, T.J., thanks for joining us today. Uh, always a pleasure talking IU football. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Love having Matt on and, and uh,
3: love talking about this recruiting class. And like you said, spring ball will be here before we know it, so – um, you know, just hang in there, get through the winter, and, and we'll uh, start peeking ahead to the spring.
1: Yep. Well, that does it for today's uh, Hoosier Huddle podcast. Sorry about the cancellation yesterday. Sorry we missed out on Mitchell Page. We'll try and get him uh, back on uh, the show in the future, talk about his future, his time at IU, and, and things like that. So, hopefully we can get Mitchell uh, with us. So, thanks for listening.
0: Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.